He's Amit Carr, and I'm Telly Concepcion, and together we are Beyond the Numbers Podcast. We go beyond the numbers of sports and life to bring you the story within the story of the stories that matter. So come learn, grow, and have some fun with us. We are Beyond the Numbers Podcast. My number for the day is $1.66 billion. The Miller family has entered into an agreement to sell the Utah Jazz and Vivint Smart Home Arena to Qualtrics founder Ryan Smith for $1.66 billion. My number of the day is $14.6 billion, which is the net worth of the new New York Mets owner, Steve Cohen. That is more than the next three richest owners in Major League Baseball combined. And this is a big deal in baseball because there's no salary cap and he can spend his money as he wants to. But he's not as fashionable as Alex and J-Lo are. It's true. Before the business, Beyonders, it's time for Before the Business, where we answer your unanswered questions and find the numbers that went unfound in previous episodes. So, unfortunately, the Rays lost the World Series. More on that in a bit. Obviously, my heart's broken, but Rays, we, we still love you, though. We, we still love you. LA is still in contention for the COVID Triple Crown, or... My Bucks could win the Super Bowl and Tampa Bay would tie L.A. with two COVID championships each. So look out, L.A. We still coming for y'all. And Antonio Brown is now a member of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers because, Ahmed, I think you texted me this earlier this week. They're trying to create the 2016 All-Madden team. Yeah, AB's got some interesting incentives built into his contract for this year. If he records at least 40 receptions and makes the playoffs, he'll get $250,000. If he records at least 650 receiving yards and makes the playoffs, he'll get another $250,000. And if he records at least six receiving touchdowns and makes the playoffs, he'll win $250,000. And lastly, if your boys win the Super Bowl, that's a $750,000 bonus for Antonio Brown. And it'd be wild because if the Bucks won the Super Bowl, the Super Bowl is in Tampa this year and no team has ever made it to the Super Bowl when they are the host city. So we'll see how the Buccaneers fare this year. It's crazy, Ahmed. Don't you wish real life worked like this? If Ahmed gets through all his emails each day, he gets a bonus of $50,000. If you have no emails at the end of the month and you responded to everything that was sent to you, you get another bonus of $20,000. If you have no errors in any of your emails that you send out to your team, then you receive a $100,000 bonus. And if the company reaches its sales milestones by the end of the year, you will receive a $750,000 bonus. <laughs> I, just, I mean, we, we you could <laughs> potentially get that. It would just have to be adjusted to what we make, right? So it's like $5. If you finish all of this, <laughs> That's true. everyone does well, you get 10 bucks. 
right? Get $20 if you're zero inbox at the end of the day. It's just yeah, gotta be scaled down. It's just gotta be scaled down. That's true. The one thing I do wish they'd bring over is those contracts, right? A 10 year contract for this much. Also free agency. Like, look, I wanna be out on the market. I want teams contacting me for my skills and being like, look, this is the contract we gonna offer you. You want a 10 year deal, you know, lace with incentives or you want the five year deal with the guaranteed money. That that's how that's how that's how it should work um, out here in, in real life. So let's 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 make sports let's make real life a little closer to the sports contracts. Now let's get back to the business. For our World Series reaction review, look back. Our number is six. Telly, I was right. Six games, Dodgers and six. I think I'm two for two on championship prediction so far. But you know what? Six goes beyond just six games. It all fell apart for your Tampa Rays near the sixth inning of game six. And Blake Snell was pulled with the top of the lineup coming up who were 0 for six with six strikeouts. Yeah, for those that don't know, you know, we all now know the Los Angeles Dodgers won the World Series and Los Angeles has won two championships during this COVID time. They are still in contention for the COVID Triple Crown, so it won't be the Tampa Triple Crown. We are recording this Wednesday, October 28th, the day after. Actually, Game 7 should be taking place tonight, and sadly, it is not. So, I, I you know, I, I let I'm going to start the conversation here. Obviously, I'm a little heartbroken. You know, I'm a little sad. But this one, Beyonders, not going to lie, you know, we're family now, so. Let's start with game six, since that's the freshest in our minds, you know, just a couple hours ago when we were watching this and kind of seeing how this was all going to come together. And we'll we'll just Tarantino the World Series. We'll start at the end and we'll sort of work our way back. Your boy, Randy Rosarena, stays hot, right? He hits his postseason record 10th home run with one out in the top of the first inning. Slider low and away, and Randy takes it deep, direct opposite field. Right. And he hit so the you, he hit the bud sign. So people did. got free bud, yeah. He did. So you gotta be feeling good at this point. One nothing. They got the lead at the beginning. Granted, this has happened earlier in the series, right? The Dodgers hit a home run early, the Rays hit a home run early. So it's been a very back and forth series early on in the season, early on in these games. Gonsolin comes in, right? He settles down and he exits after just five outs in the game. Right? So doesn't even make it through to the, full, the end of the second inning. But after he left, Tampa Bay totaled just two hits and zero walks over the final 7.1 innings of that game. It was the third game in the series in which they scored two or fewer runs and the second time in six games that they totaled five or fewer hits. To put that, to really clarify what happened in game six, your boy went two for four with a home run. That's So the home run, that's one run and one RBI. Yep. The entire rest of the Rays lineup went three for 29 with zero runs and zero RBIs. Come on, man. You're not no, going to no win. No You're bats. not going to win. No bats. I, 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 yeah, you, 
you got to have offense. And we just, this series, like, it never showed up. I mean, Willie Adames, my boy, my platano, my cousin, I don't, I, he might need glasses. I don't know. I'm worried about him because he couldn't hit anything this whole series. You know, a couple other guys swung the bat. Lau hit a couple home runs. But other than that, not a lot of hits, not a lot of extra base hits. Um, you know, it, it, it's tough. We got to score runs. Snell was pitching out of his mind and we could not get him any run support, especially like you said with Gonzalez, Catman starting the game you got to jump all over that dude in the first you got to put two or three runs together i believe we had men on first and second with one out after randy's home run and we couldn't get those runs in and that those are opportunities you don't get back those are opportunities you just don't get back the biggest piece right that everyone probably has heard of on some talk radio or somewhere was the fact that kevin cash pulled Blake Snell out of the game after he made it through five dominant innings. Man, don't, now, don't even, right. And this, I mean, Twitter went crazy. I, everyone went crazy. Right. I, I think I got like 20, 30 text messages from different people asking me what's going on here as if I'm the manager making these decisions, but everyone went wild. Why are you taking this guy out? In my mind, it's important to note that production through the first five innings in no way denotes that you're going to have success in the sixth, right? And and the biggest narrative we've seen from various talk radio, sports radio, even the announcers in that game was this whole idea of a pitcher facing a hitter multiple times in a game. So because baseball is a game of stats and analytics, one of the things that all managers and coaches look at is, how are batters doing against a pitcher as they face him the first time through the order, the second time through the order, the third time, and so on and so forth, right? With Snell, the drop-off was the third time through the order. You know, Snell had an arm injury, so he's had a slower season. He hasn't pitched more than 5.2 innings in any game this season. Yeah, he said he hasn't felt good till September, really, till the end of September when he pitched against your Yankees. It was probably his best outing. Great. Agreed. So there's there's a couple of things there, right? But still, they pulled him in the sixth inning, only have, having thrown four pitches. So he made it five innings through. As he gets into the sixth, he has five pitches. Now, the interesting piece is, I think this is where Kevin Cash. I, I give him a little bit of credit. He, they're looking at all types of metrics as they sit there, right? So they know spin rate for all these pitches. So managers know if a, if a guy's curveball doesn't spin 27,000 RPMs, maybe there's something wrong with his shoulder, maybe he's getting tired. All of these things are involved. Are involved. Kevin Cash sees that his curveball has now dropped in velocity by about three, three and a half miles an hour, and it's the slowest he's thrown a curveball all game. Right. So that's piece one. And that was the little dinky ground out that he got. He got an out out of it. Right. But it was still one of those curveballs. The next thing he sees is a fastball. Now, Snell has been killer with his fastball all game. Those six strikeouts that we saw of those big hitters coming from the Dodgers lineup, it was on that high fastball. He was throwing 97, 98 miles an hour, just overpowering those guys. Well, in the sixth inning, we see his fastball drop in velocity by just a little under three miles an hour. 
Now that doesn't sound like a ton, but to a hitter, 97 versus 95 is I can't catch up to that ball hasn't fallen yet. Right. Yeah, but so, I hear you. I hear you with the analytics. And we had this talk before we started recording. There's some things that the analytics measure, and there's some things they can't. And it just looked to me, Amit Snell was locked in. And I tweeted last night. I waited till after Snell came out. I didn't want to jinx it. My man was on a whole nother planet last night. He was locked in. You could see it in his eyes. You can see in his body language. You could see his demeanor. Also, I would go back to, you can see the changes in velocity of the pitches, but everything that had to be said about Snell's performance was said by the other team. When they interviewed them after, they breathed a sigh of relief. Dave Roberts said Mookie Betts looked at him when they pulled Snell. Sometimes you just got it over the other guy. A psychological advantage, a mental advantage. There's an intimidation. Was Michael Jordan as good at the end of his career as at the beginning? No. When he won his championships, he wasn't near as good a player as he was in the 80s when he wasn't winning championships. But Michael Jordan was in your head. Michael Jordan was going to cross you up. Michael Jordan look you in the eye and say, look, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a cross. I'm a fake left. I'm a cross over right and I'm a shoot it over you. And he would do it anyway. And it looked like Blake Snell was dialed in like that, where he's like, I'm going to throw you high heat and I'm going to get it past you. I'm going to throw you this curveball and I'm going to get it past you. And I don't know if he mentally got to the Dodgers. And I understand what you're saying with the velocities. It just felt like they gave up when Snell was in the game. Like, I'm not going to be able to hit him. And as soon as he came out, they feasted. And that tells you everything you need to know velocity removing the velocity and some of the analytics which i know helped the rays get there he just looked like he was on another planet help the rays get there telly your 28 million dollar team is based on those numbers of course Kevin yes, Cash, I understand. the only reason you won 40 games is because he looks at all the numbers and he sees all the players and he manages to the strengths that he sees and of course you have a very versatile team right you can plug people in you can rotate people around those everything he did kevin cash did nothing different in game six than he has done all season there's two big differences one no one watches the rays play so this is the first time people see this live and they're like oh my god this is crazy right and two it didn't work out the way it's supposed to as it has all season, right? Yeah, because here's the deal, here's the deal. If he stays in the game, right? He gave up a hit. If he stays in the game, Mookie comes up and gets a hit or one of those guys gets a hit and a run scores or two runs score, right? Then all of a sudden the conversation you're having is, why'd you leave him in? I wouldn't be mad. What do you, Me personally, and I and I texted and I texted you this last night. I ride or die with my guy because I get you with the analytics. But you're talking about Blake Snell. You're not talking about an opener. You're not talking about you know some guy that's been good this year. You're talking about Cy Young Award winner Blake Snell, and he's coming off an injury this season. So the numbers, the analytics may be skewed because of injury. He hasn't been able to go deep in games. You're a pitcher. I defer to you. The more you pitch, the more soreness you feel in your arm, your velocity drops, etc. But he just looked 
different last. He just looked different last night, man. He and, and the Dodgers said as much. He just looked different last night. I at least he earned the right to finish that inning. Two hits, two times they touched the ball. No walks. So he he's in control. He's in command. No walk. If he walked three or four or five, they hit him twice. Take him out. No walks. Only two hits. You pull him after the second hit. Talk to him. Yo, I'm you. You're on a short leash. I want to see you get these dudes out. If not, I'm coming back out here and I'm pulling you. And I live with the results. If Mookie hits one off of him and ties it or goes up 2-1, I can't get mad because I'm like, damn, Snell was, was dealing and he slipped on that one. He pitched it wrong. I wouldn't get mad. I understand your point of if it worked, if it would have worked, I still would have been upset, me personally, because I've seen the Rays all season. And I think the analytics help you get to the World Series. They help you get to the playoffs, right? But then once you're there, I think when you have ballers, when you have a Snell, when you have certain guys, you know, just like the Yankees, you guys may use analytics to get to a certain point. But at some point, you just leave Judge in there and you you have faith that Judge going to hit that home run at some point. And you have faith that those guys, those stars are going to show up and they're going to do what they do best. And I just... I just, I wouldn't have been mad if they left Snell in there and we lost. I would have let Snell take the loss. And Snell said that after the game too. A lot of good points there. I'd like to point out, Blake Snell is now the equivalent of Michael Jordan in the postseason. No, no, no. I said the look, the look in his eye. The feel. He's got the Jordan feel. And I compared him in analytics. Analytics couldn't have broken down Jordan because he was better in the 80s when he didn't win championships but he learned how to maximize his skills in the 90s when his physical prowess was probably diminishing. So it's hard, I mean, applying analytics to that sport, it's hard to say, well, Michael is not good, let's take him out in the third because our analytics show that in the third he gets tired and he surrenders games. Look at the Jazz at the end of the Jazz series when he does the fadeaway, he missed a bunch of shots before that because he was tired. Use the analytics and say, Michael Jordan's tired, we gotta pull him from the game. He doesn't make that final shot where he pushes Byron uh, Byron Scott to the side and shoots over him and wins the, the sixth championship. So you could look at it that way. I'm not arguing with the analytics. Okay. They can only measure so much. So I'm not okay. calling so, Blake Snell so, Jordan. I'm just saying it's hard to measure certain things. I agree. He looked like he was locked in. I agree. So let's let's so let's put this in the context of baseball. And let's tie this into one of the greatest pitchers of all time from your home country. Pedro Martinez, the great Pedro Martinez. Power, yes. Hall of Famer Pedro Martinez. Who says daddy? Grady Little lost his job because he left Pedro Martinez, one of the greatest pitchers of all time, at the peak of his prime probably, or right off the edge of it, one inning too long. He dominated, came in one inning later, and got blown up by the Yankees. You just tip your cap and call the Yankees my daddy. So I know that Blake Snell and Pedro Martinez are very similar in their skill set, although I would argue that with a career 42 and 30 record with a 3.24 ERA, I don't know if he is exactly Pedro yet. But no, Blake no, is no. Good. I, wouldn't, I wouldn't give him that yet. No. Blake is good. <laughs> but at the end of the day, you're either Grady Little who leaves in your ace one inning too long and you lose, or your Kevin Cash, you take your ace out potentially half an inning too short and you lose and everyone crushes you. At the end of the day, only the outcome 
would determine whether we're okay with what he did or not okay with what he did. I know you can say, well, it's Blake. If Blake had lost that game, I would have been fine. But I guarantee you if the conversation today was, should have taken Blake out because we knew this was going to happen, you would say, why would you not do this? In fact, your argument would be, we're not the Yankees. We're not the Dodgers. We don't have all that money. So we don't have all these players lined up to put into these spots. We've got to do what we do best, which is essentially play chess with all of our players and maximize them to ensure that you have the best outcome. Yeah, I hear you. So, so I think the Rays, you know, Blake Snell said all the right things last night and Kevin Cash said all the right things. So tip of the cap, Blake Snell came out to play in an elimination game and we weren't, he was not going to be the reason that the Rays were eliminated. I think we already identified that we didn't give him run support. If it's a, if it's a two, one, a three, if it's a, Two to zero, three to zero, five to zero game. Maybe Blake Snell stays in. So it's it's a team Even sport. Two. Yeah. And that series was not lost, just losing game six. But here's the crazy piece, Telly. And 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 this is what is interesting. Let's look back at the series itself. So yes, were there things that happened in game six? I'll be honest. I called I called Dodgers in six. You had Rays in five, right? If I remember yep. correctly. Yep. But the Dodgers had a 27-inning stretch where they held the lead at some point in every inning, and they somehow didn't win all three of those games. There have been only three teams in the history of World Series baseball, in the history of the major leagues, outside of the Dodgers that have held a lead at some point in 27 or more innings. The 2004 Red Sox, 36 innings, so in a four game sweep, they led every game. That was over the Rockies. That was when they broke the curse. The 89 Athletics, 35 innings. They essentially led the whole series except for the first inning of the first game and swept them. And the 2008 Phillies also held a 27 inning lead at some point in each of those innings for games three through five against your Rays when you were overseas. Right. The common thread in all three of those teams are that they won all of the games they were ahead in and they won the World Series. The crazy part is the Dodgers did not. In fact, as we saw that crazy game four, the Dodgers held a lead in every inning, one through nine, and still managed to lose the game. And overall, in the first five games, the Dodgers held the lead in 33 of 45 innings. That's 73.3% of the time, right? Because it felt like every time I watched, I felt like they were in the lead. They kind of were. It's wild. And that's not our game. That's not our game. It's wild, right? And that 73%, that 73.3% of the time while holding a lead through five games is only behind the 08 Phillies against your Rays, the 1920 Athletics, and the 1984 Tigers and all of those other teams that had that lead through that many innings won the World Series in five games. Let's look at it this way. Before this series, the highest percentage of any innings that were led in a game or in a series was for a series going into six games was 64%. So 29 out of 45 innings was the most innings that a team led while also having that series go to six games, right? Those two teams were the, were the 2019 Astros and the 1997 Indians. 
and both of those teams lost the World Series. So really, the Rays stick around long enough, they had a pretty good chance of winning that series, right? Because at the end of the day, the Dodgers didn't shut it down when they needed to early on. I think if we get it to seven, I think the Rays win. I am sad that what will get lost in this World Series is that incredible game four because there was no post game that night. <laughs> they did the 10 minute version of the post game. So there was no talk about that game. There was no interviewing the players after that game. It really just kind of got lost in the wash. There was a game the next night. The Dodgers won the game the next night. So that game is kind of getting lost in all this. Phillips making a name for himself, getting called up. He's there for base running only. The coach looking over at him and saying, son, go win us this game. You're fifth up to bat in the ninth. And him driving in the winning run and then flying in the outfield, that's going to get lost. And I think for me, what hurts the most, Ahmed, and, and it's different, right? This is what really hurts for me. It's the Tampa Bay Rays. I told you it's my hometown team. And we know the Rays payroll, $28 million. And we know that the Dodgers payroll this year was 224, 228 million, something like that. Prorated ended up being 160 or 150. The chances, the odds of us getting back are slimmer. Now, do I believe in my team? Do I believe in my guys? Can we get back there with the talent we have? Yeah. The Yankees were hurt. You know, we ended up getting you guys hurt and without pitching. Are the Yankees going to spend on pitching? Heck yeah. The Dodgers lost three World Series and went out and got the best player in baseball and gave them $300 million. You know who can't do that? We can't do that. We can't lose the World Series and then spend $300 million to get back there. So this one hurts. The Dodgers, I'm not worried. I don't hate the Dodgers. They did well. They've been suffering. They won it. That's fine. If the Rays weren't in it, I might have been going for the Dodgers, depending on who was on the other side. But they're going to be there the next 10 years on it. They're going to be there like every year <laughs> the next 10 years. The Rays, it's not a guarantee that we're going to be back there every year in contention. The Dodgers, yes, I wouldn't have felt bad if we won it this year because guess what? The Dodgers probably going to be back there next year and the year after that. And they got Mookie for 12. They still got Kershaw. They still got all these guys. So I'm, I, I get it. It was heartbreaking for that reason. The Dodgers lose it this year. They would have been right back in it next year. The Rays lose it this year. We have to scratch and claw and get better. And there's a lot of room for improvement. And I love what Blake Snell said. We shouldn't be satisfied with getting there. We shouldn't be satisfied with second place. I agree 100%. We might not get the respect that we should have earned. I think if we pushed it to seven, we would have respect. I think losing it the way we did, all the talk is about pulling Blake Snell and the Rays got lucky and it was a short season. I don't know if we earn the respect around the league that maybe the, the Rays really do deserve. Because like you said, how many people watched the Rays play during the season? How many people knew who Brandon Lau was? How many people knew a Rosarena? I, I would close with this. I think the Rays have respect in the AL East and that's all that matters. Yes, but that means y'all are going to spend the $200 million to crush us. <laughs> but, it, but that's not the point. I don't think it's ever mattered how much money other teams spend. The Rays over the last decade have been competitive in the AL East. Of course. Yeah. I they, would argue, they've won 90-plus games every season with the, with the small payroll. And think about it. They have a lot of games against the Red Sox and the Yankees. Yeah, and right? I look at it this way, too. If, if Adamez can improve his hitting if Lau doesn't go super cold, right? If these guys improve their game next season, like Snell said, then 
you know, we have a chance. There were no bats. If if the if the same guys come back and work on their at bats, just extending at bats. How many times were we zero and two? How, how do you how do you not swing at a single pitch in the last at bat in the world? None. I don't want to call him out, but you none. You're bound the, the last two pitches. None? He swings at everything else. I'm at everything <laughs> else. He swings the last pitch of the World Series. He doesn't even put wood on. He doesn't even swing. And it was straight uh, fastballs, and it wasn't even like, oh, lower left-hand corner. Up the middle, or, 94. Up the middle, 94. It wasn't 100, 100 gas. Up the middle, 94. I'm going to throw it right up the middle. If you hit it off me, we're up by two runs. Here, I dare you to hit this. And Willie Adamez doesn't even swing. The the first strike that was a mile off the plate, he swung. The he swung at that. that were dead middle, no swing. <laughs> No that swing. was wild, but but I think I think your Rays are going to be a force to reckon with, not just We're this year, shape. down the road every year. And I think, and you can we can see how this plays out next year and then the year after. They are they are dethroning the Red Sox as the as the top one or two team in the ALEs. I think it will be Yankees Rays will replace Yankees Red Sox. Yankees Rays, I agree. Because they have the talent, they've got the manager. I don't care what he did this year. Right? No, no, he he's still respected and everything and, like that. And we can and, Monday morning quarterback, but and look, we did the same thing to Dave Roberts for the last three years. Can't do this, can't do that. Biggest Achilles heel, right? We even had that was a text message. Roberts we is going to lose this game for them. He did it. If anyone can do it, Cash can do it. They may need some more cash to help with that roster, just <laughs> a little bit. Just a little bit. Last statement. I think the funniest thing I heard about this series was that the Dodgers used analytics with cash and the Rays also used analytics with a different cash. Man, that's that hurts. Too soon. Too soon. Till next year. It was fun. It was fun. It was a fun World Series. And we'll have to look up more information on that that situation with the COVID test and bring you guys more of that next week. It's time for our new segment, NFL Nuggets, where we go beyond the numbers and bring you the stories within the story of the stories that matter within the NFL. So, Amit, these are strange times, and not just because we're recording this on October 30th and it's almost Halloween, but because it's like real life Halloween out here in these streets. We're dodging COVIDs. We're dodging other stuff. But here are some strange facts about the NFL. New England, Houston, Atlanta, and Dallas are combined 6-21 and record. Tampa Bay, Arizona, Buffalo, and Pittsburgh have a combined record of 21-6. and Baker Mayfield threw five touchdown passes in 34 minutes and three backs exceeded 100 yards on Sunday. Two undrafted free agents, Jeff Wilson Jr. of North Texas and the 49ers, James Robinson of Illinois State and the Jaguars, and one draftee, Antonio Gibson of Washington. One unbeaten team remains, the 6-0 Steelers. One winless team remains, the 0-7 Jets. And the Browns beat the Bengals 37 to 34 with 738 passing yards. The Cardinals 
beat the Seahawks 37 to 34 with 748 passing yards. The Bills won in week seven without scoring a single touchdown or punting. Well, the last time this happened was when Washington beat the Brooklyn Dodgers in 1941. And yes, the Brooklyn Dodgers were an actual NFL team in 1941. Le'Veon Bell, the former New York Jet, had one rushing yard of 16 or more yards in his 264 attempts with the Jets. On his first carry with the Kansas City Chiefs, he ran for 16 yards. Buda Baker picked off Russell Wilson in their own red zone and was on his way to what looked like an inevitable pick six. However, DK Metcalf had other plans. He hawked, that's what we call it. He hawked down Baker, brought him down before the end zone and the Seahawks defense kept the Cardinals from scoring at all during that series. The crazy stat from this play Buda Baker's top running speed was 21.27 miles per hour. DK Metcalf's top sprint speed was 22.64 miles per hour. So he definitely got him. The Cardinals did end up beating the Seahawks despite leading the game for a total of zero seconds. Zero seconds. The total game time, including overtime, was 69 minutes and 45 seconds. And sticking with Buda Baker, it should be noted that Baker had zero interceptions in his first 50 NFL games. He's had two in his last two. Under Sean McVay, the Rams are 30 and 0 when leaving when leading at halftime. That is the longest active streak in the NFL. In addition, Rams punter Johnny Hecker had five punts against the Chicago Bears. They were downed at the seven yard line, 10 yard line, one yard line, and six yard line, and, and, and the five yard line. That makes Hecker the only punter in the last 30 years to punt five or more times and pin their opponent inside the 10 yard line on every one of them. Pretty and it also reminded me of the old Madden, you know, the coffin corner when you had to kick it, you were practicing with the punter and trying to kick it into the corner and get points on Madden. That's what that reminded me of. So big ups to Johnny Hecker. They wanted to give him the game ball after that. He was a big reason why they had success. Justin Herbert joins Patrick Mahomes as the only quarterbacks in NFL history with 250 passing yards in each of their first five career games. Justin Herbert's really putting some pressure on Tua Tungavailoa and making sure that Miami really made the right pick there. I don't agree with Tua being inserted after the first couple of games. Ryan Fitzmagic was balling out of control. He's a beyond the numbers favorite. We've broken down the numbers. He's a career guy. I felt like they should have let Tua sit behind him a little longer. And they're putting him in the toughest stretch of the season, Amit, against the toughest defenses there are. I hope they're not making the wrong decision. Ryan Fitzpatrick, we appreciate you and we respect you. Kyler Murray became the first player in NFL history to record the following in a single game. 350 or more passing yards, three or more passing touchdowns, 50 or more rushing yards, plus a rushing touchdown. And Steven Gotzkowski had an unusual field goal success rate. He's five for five on attempts of 50 yards or more. 
He's only five of 11 on attempts under 50 yards. Looks like the Patriots knew something was up with him and that the drop-off was coming before they let him go. And that five of 11, definitely a dud. Perfect segue into our week seven duds. And you know what? In week seven, the Atlanta Falcons found another way to lose. And Telly, this time, it was by scoring a touchdown. How, you ask? Well, Atlanta was down by two points with 72 seconds left, and they had first and goal. All Atlanta needed to do was keep the ball on the ground and burn some clock before either kicking the game-winning field goal or punching it in with minimal time left on the clock. Instead, Todd Gurley could not stop himself from crossing the goal line, and the Falcons completed the two-point conversion to go up six. Then the Lions got the ball back and marched down 75 yards to score the tying touchdown as time expires. They ended up having to kick a 48-yard extra point due to an unsportsmanlike conduct penalty. The kick was good, and the Falcons found another way to lose one. Gurley got a lot of flack for this, but uh, it's also on that Atlanta defense. They seem to completely disappear when it comes to the fourth quarter. I mean, he did try to stop. I mean, you blame it on the turf, blame it on the uniform, blame it on that helmet, just blame it on Atlanta right now. They're going to, they might end up with Trevor Lawrence. It's been a tough run for them. Let's hop into our favorite division, the NFC least. For the first time in NFL history is the only division to not have a three win team through week seven. One of the great teams in that division, the Dallas Cowboys, have now allowed 20 plus points in the first half of six straight games. They are the first team in NFL history to do so. And for a little comparison, the Cowboys are seven and 13 in their last 20 games. The Jets are also seven and 13 in their last 20 games. So they're on the same level, fear not, the Giants are 4-16 and 16 in that same 20-game time frame. So while the Jets get the brunt of the jokes, the Giants are an absolute dumpster fire. And 2020 is the year of the upside down. Shouts out to Stranger Things. They're all huge beyonders. The upside down, Amit, when things are just not right. Things don't, things don't seem like what they are. They look similar, you know what I'm saying? But it's a little foggy. There's stuff floating around in the air. And uh, Heather will know what I'm talking about. The Patriots have lost three in a row for the first time since 2002. That, my friend, is upside down. That was the same season that Herm Edwards gave his you play to win the game speech. The Browns made the playoffs that year and the Texans played their first NFL season. And by the way, Rich Gannon won MVP. And I so think it's been a while. And I think your uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers did something a little special that year too, didn't they? We did happen to win the Super Bowl that year. So seeing that now we have Thomas and the Patriots have lost three in a row, Perhaps the Buccaneers can do it again. Perhaps. Let's wrap this thing up. Heartbreak. Heart 
break. The Rays lost the World Series. That's right. Lost it because the Dodgers didn't beat us because they couldn't touch my man Blake Snell. And if we would have just let Blake Snell in, you know, they wouldn't have beat us. So you can't tell me nothing. Raise up. In NFL Nuggets, the stranger days of COVID edition, we explore the upside down where the Patriots are struggling and undrafted running backs lead the league in yards. And remember, if you're using Apple Podcasts, please listen, go down to the reviews, give us a five-star review if you think it's good. And if you can believe any sort of statement on there, that'd be great as well. Now, Beyonders, we're trying to grow. We're trying to double in size. We're trying to double this thing up. So be sure you share the pod, text the pod, and ask your friends, have you gone beyond the numbers in sports this week? Yes, even if you've gone beyond the numbers, upside down edition, like Stranger Things, we'll take that too. We appreciate the support and the following. Thank you for going beyond the numbers with us. We're a weekly podcast dedicated to going beyond the numbers of sports and life to bring you the story within the story of the stories that matter. We're available on all major podcasting platforms, including Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. Whatever you're listening on now, please be sure to click the follow or subscribe button to get our latest content. And remember, you can find us on Instagram, Beyond the Numbers Podcast, and on Twitter, at Beyond TN Podcast. Until next time, peace. peace.